are back with another episode of Not A Purse Podcast. <laughs> Trademark pending. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do this. Today is one of those, I don't know how many episodes like that we've had where, you know, we both felt like we have no idea where this is going. We have, we, we just know, you know, yeah, it's, let's just chat. That's what I was saying earlier before you hit record. Chit, chat, chat, chit, 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 chat. <laughs> okay. Whatever no. happens, happens. Whatever we say is completely unfiltered. So there. Yeah. Big time. So today is about rape or Maybe let me not say rape. Let me say sexual assaults of any sort. And I feel like where I want to start is is literally, you know, how you and I were kind of not feeling before we hit record, but we were talking about, yeah, this is a heavy topic. And I that's that's when I started saying, you know, maybe we should just not talk about it and hit record right away. So this is like coming fresh out of uh, the press, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But yeah, just the fact that, you know, going into an episode where we know we're going to be talking about sexual assault and rape and all those things, just the fact that we say, oh, this is going to be a heavy episode. Right there is something I feel like I and maybe we all need to work on because not to say that, you know, being sexually assaulted or the fact that sexual assaults are very much like a thing and much more common than we all know, think, believe, talking about it shouldn't, I feel like it shouldn't feel as heavy as I feel it is. And, you know, I remember when, you know, when we decided to, to start this podcast, it was literally to make conversations about the hard topics become, you know, like drinking water or even better, breathing. You don't, you just breathe. You don't think about it. So, yeah, I feel like that's what this episode is about. Making heavy topics less heavy mm-hmm. or weightless. <laughs> and, yeah, enjoying the discomfort it, it creates. Mm-hmm. It's so welcome. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And it's one of those things that I think, depending on where you stand, like a lot of the things we talk about, like genitalia and body awareness and body positivity, I think everybody can relate to it. Everyone has a body. Everybody has genitalia. And it has to deal with their personal relationship with it. But it exists for everyone. Whereas I feel like this topic doesn't exist for everyone necessarily, right? There are people who have been sexually assaulted and their relationship to sexual assault is going to be different from people who have not been or who haven't even heard about it or who are, you know, in somewhat of like a sheltered um, environment and don't even know what they would think about it if it came up, you know? Uh, So that's another thing that I'm like, yes, it's, it doesn't contribute necessarily to the heaviness, but I understand that we're going to meet people at different places with this conversation and that that's okay. I, yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree with that. But then 
there's also the fact that, so funny enough, I, um, I had to take a workshop in, in the realm of my um, college um, diploma, blah, blah, blah. And in that workshop, we talked about sexual assault specifically in children because that's the population I will be dealing with uh, sooner than later. And the statistics are that one in three girls will be sexually or has, has been or will be sexually assaulted before she turns 18. And one in five boys will be or has been sexually assaulted before he turns 18. So that's, that's like a lot of people. And so this is, this is where I'm like, it feels heavy, you know, when you were saying, because not everybody has the same relationship to sexual assaults because not everybody has been sexually assaulted. And that's true, like not everybody has been. But I believe there are much, like much, much more people than we think. But because it's not being talked about, every single person who is in a situation where they have been sexually assaulted feel like they're very much alone. And I don't mean alone in like facing it. I've, I've believed for like ages that, not that I'm a special case, but I, I didn't think that I could ever meet someone who had been sexually assaulted in any way. And you know, when with time I started sharing my story with people, I was flabbergasted by the amount of people who returned, um, oh, you know what, let me share this with you. I have been sexually assaulted or even raped, not even, just, so I'm using sexual assault as the general term of any kind of sexual assault. I'm not specifying here because that's not what it's about for now. Um, so yeah, I was, I was literally shocked that there were so many people out there that had, you know, a story. And, you know, on one side, it is very sad because it made me realize how stupidly common sexual assaults are. It's not special. Like whoever, you know, if it's not because you have not been that, you know, nobody has. And I, I think to most people, that's, that's what it feels like. That what it, that's what it looks like. But it's not because it's factually like that. It's just because we don't talk about it. And that just adds to the heaviness of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, I, I simply, I hate it. I hate it. Because for a long time, it's like, I feel like it's necessary for us to put it out there. Not to say, oh my gosh, you know, poor me. It's not what it is about. It's simply making it visible because it's there. It's, it's, it's there. And at the same time, because of that heaviness, it's like, yeah, but when, like, how do I do that? How do I do that without making people feel uncomfortable? And, and yeah, that's, it's, it's complex, it's man. It's so complex. The whole, like, everything you just said, it's almost like as soon as you do get sexually assaulted, you join this, like, special club. You don't know yet because you haven't talked to anybody about it. But as soon as you talk to one person and then another person and another person and you realize that they've also had that experience, it's like the world that you knew is no longer... At least, let me say, this is how it felt like for me because when I got sexually assaulted, which was later in life, 
um, which I think, I think I'm one of the lucky ones because I don't know what it would have felt like if I was younger and if that had kind of charted the rest of my journey of like growing up. But as an adult, talking about it and finding out that there are so many other adults in my life who've gone through it was just mind-blowing. And these are people that I'm close with. Like one of my closest Mm. friends that I knew at that time, when I told her, she told me about being raped in college. And we had been friends for years. And it's like, I thought I knew you, but you're living with this weight because I feel like that's another thing. When you have been sexually assaulted, there is a presence with you at all times. You're no longer the person that you were before. And for me, if I know people, if people are my friends, I think I know them. You know what I mean? I feel like I, I understand yeah. who they are. We don't have you know, secrets necessarily. We're able to be vulnerable with each other. But you're right. There's this like block. And maybe it was because they felt I would be uncomfortable before. And now that I've gone through the rite of passage of you know, also being sexually assaulted, it's like, we don't have to worry that you're going to be uncomfortable. We don't have to worry that we're bringing down the mood or that, you know, people are going to start pitying us or whatever. It's just simply a fact. And as soon as you say it, you get back empathy and understanding because the person has also gone through it, which I think is kind of messed up because it's almost like, and I don't know if that's true or not, but it almost feels like people who haven't gone through it are thought of as if they can't empathize because they can't possibly understand. And so it's almost like pointless to talk about it with them. Like you'll get some sympathy maybe, but you won't get, you won't be just okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because when you were saying, you know, if you share your sexual assault story with someone who has been through something similar, then, you know, you, you almost have like a guarantee of receiving empathy. I hear that. I feel like for me at the same time, there is, so sharing with someone who hasn't gone through it and who doesn't really understand it the way I would or we would, it's like, it's, I don't even think about, am I going to receive empathy from them or not? It's literally, I am worried about their well-being. It's like me, making it visible to them that it is actually so stupidly common is going to break their perfect world vision. And I feel like it's too much of an ask of them. You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah, in because in the moment where I'm sharing that, I I don't want it to be, like I feel like I'm going, the reaction is going to be like, oh my God, what? Like total shock. And one part of me is I don't want to, yeah, I I don't want to mess up with, you know, the way they see the world, which might be perfect or more perfect than it actually is. And on the other side, I also do not want to have to deal with how they feel about it. Mm. I, I don't want to be the person to, you know, so first I don't want to break their perfect image and then I don't want to be there to you know help them recover from Mm. having gone through okay like hmm, shit the world is not perfect it's almost like you know when uh the whole George Floyd and Black Lives Matters uh, Black Lives Matter this way um went on and all those white people 
realized racism is real. And then they wanted to talk about it. And a lot of black people were tired. They were like, you want me to help you go through realizing that the world is a racist, very, very racist place? I've like, it's not new to me, you know? I've known this for ages since I was born, probably before even. And you just realize it and and you want my help to to go through it? No, like I mm-hmm. I don't have space for that right now. And that's what I feel like is is making me sometimes refrain from the sharing. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, at the same time, I'm sitting here and I'm promoting that. Please, let's all share more. I guess yeah. to some extent, I feel like, you know, if, if you feel that you are the only one making the effort, which I'm not saying I'm the only one, definitely not. But it often, it often feels like that. And when you feel like that, it feels like a lot of work. And it's... I, I'm admitting like it's it's work that I don't necessarily want to do because mm. it is it is it is heavy lifting man. Yeah, that's such an interesting example that you just use. I kind of love it because it's so apt, but it's I wouldn't have expected that because now it's it's making me think about that the weight of helping someone understand and resolve their feelings about something that is happening to you because that I wasn't thinking about it that way at all I was thinking about you know empathy like I mentioned but I also was thinking about how I'm going to be viewed after having the conversation because I think that that part of the weight that we were talking about between people who have been sexually assaulted I feel like you understand the gravity but because it's your norm the gravity of it is is neutral when you're, yeah. you know, talking about it with someone who hasn't gone through it, then it's huge. It's huge. And they're looking at you and it's like, poor you. I can't believe that's that horrible thing happened to you. They feel sad. They feel horrified. They feel like what you were saying, their worldview is almost like put on its head or, or shattered. Mm-hmm. And you are the object of whatever those emotions are. You are the yes. object of their pity and their sadness and their horror and their questions like all of that just happens and for me like I also don't want to then be that person because so few people talk about it that when you do talk to someone who hasn't been assaulted you might end up being the only person they know who has been assaulted and so any kind of like thing any kind of thought process that happens after that comes in your direction whereas after I got assaulted and started talking to people I found out like 70% of the women that I know have gone through some kind of right like a huge when you when you say stupidly common that is that is about the number and I'm talking like aunts like family members friends acquaintances it is crazy how common it is and it took it happening to me for me to realize that it was that common yeah yeah, and, and, you know, that is like, you know, you say 70% of, of the people you know. Yes, you know, we can argue, like, it's not, this is not statistics. It might not be relevant because someone else might have just 50% of their, you know, social circle that have experienced sexual assault in any way. But it's still, it's still very, very common. And how, how do we make it visible, you know, without without making it be a pity party. Because <laughs> it's, it's funny, when, 
when you uh, when you mentioned in the beginning, you were also thinking a lot about how are people going to to look at me, and I I definitely had that for quite some time, like that thought of wanting really wanting to get it out there because I felt that yes it is so common people need to know that it is common because only the people who are affected know it's common but because they do not share or we do not share then it still ends up being seen as totally uncommon so I was at the verge of just saying it to anybody who wouldn't listen but then for a few weeks I literally had daily moments where I wouldn't panic but in my head I would go through all the possible ways people would see me after knowing that I had been raped the way they would look at me and I I literally all I could see was that people would identify me I wouldn't be Larissa anymore I wouldn't be the dancer I wouldn't be who I am I would just be the girl that was raped when she was five that's how I assumed people would see me. But then, you know, it did not happen. Not at all. To my, to my surprise. And like, you know, some people, because I did share it in, in our first episode, which was also a very, I don't know if it was a vulnerable moment, but definitely a daring moment for me to like, this, this was like, okay, this is going to get in the ears of anybody who clicks on this. So... Ah, okay, this is who I am now. But it, 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 it did not end up like that. Anybody who, you know, did know about it and who would speak to me after we released that first episode, some were just genuinely intrigued and wanted to know more. And, but there wasn't this thing I had expected that, you know, people would see me from now on as the girl that was raped when she was five. So that was actually very, very nice. But I can relate to that fear because... For weeks, years, I, I was convinced this was, this was going to happen. And I didn't want that. Like, who wants to be reduced to one thing that happened to you in life? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically something that bad. Like, no, I'm, I'm more than just that. Something happened to me and I'm not, this is not me diminishing the, how would you say that, the, the repercussions on my life. It's had tremendous repercussions on my life till today. But it doesn't change the fact that that's, that's not who I am. It's not just that. There's so much more to, you know, Larissa. So, yeah, I kind of can relate to that. Yeah. But you say, and like, you no longer feel that way. No, not at all. Because, you know, all the times I've shared it, um, no, I, I cannot name one person where I have the feeling that, you know, they might see it that way. But I'm not perceiving it. And that's what matters in the end. Because... Mm-hmm. However they see it, that's their thing to deal with. It's not mine. I do not feel like people are seeing me only as the girl that was raped when she was five. And that's all I care about. If they see me like that, you know, could be. But I, like, I'm not perceiving it, so I don't care. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) I don't give a damn. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) So do you feel like you can talk to anyone about it now? Like, No. To be fully honest, no. But not because of the fear that they might reduce me to that one thing that happened to me, but um, because of that fear that I'm going to mess up with their perfect vision of the world. 
And then again, you know, if this is like a lot of assumptions, which we should just like go off, but how do I know that they see the world as perfect? I, I don't know what they have gone through that they might not be sharing because they don't want to break my perfect image of the world. In the meantime, I'm sitting here and I, I know that for what I've, or because of what I've gone through, I know the world is not perfect. They might have gone through something else that, you know, already messed up with their perfect vision of the world. So me sharing my story is not going to fully break it. It's just going to add one more crack to, you know, the, the package. So what? But because I am assuming that it is a very heavy topic, theme, thing, I decide that me sharing it is going to make them feel a way that I do not want them to feel and then I do not want to have to deal with how they will feel. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, yeah, I'm, I think this is me quitting the idea of, yeah, society is not open, society, blah, 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 society. No, it's, it's on me. If mm-hmm. it's not being shared, it's on me. Because okay. nobody told me, uh, you know, in case you've been raped, uh, please don't tell me. I want to keep my perfect idea of the world. Like, I'm telling myself that that's what people might think. That's what I mean by it's on me. If I want to share, I just share. Like, But I feel like there's a reason we think that way. So you say, like, we assume that it's heavy. But if we go back to the whole language thing, why we use certain words. A lot of people are more comfortable, for example, using sexual assault to talk about everything. People rarely use the word rape, right? They rarely use the specific thing that happened. They use more palatable words, more soft or, like, not theoretical, but, you know, high-level words to mean this, to mean rape and things like that. Isn't it to take away some of the weight from it? It, it definitely is. Like, honestly, I like I even know a lot of people who... So when, when we recorded that first episode and I said I used the word rape on purpose and some people came back to me and, you know, in the discussion we were having, they were using the word sexual assault and I did mention, well, you know, not like... Yes, rape is a type of sexual assault, but you know, I've been clear on I've been raped. I that's those are facts. And a lot of the people actually didn't even know the difference between that there is a difference. They did they were not aware of the fact that sexual assault is the like mother word if I can say for I don't know, um rape um and now I know the, the attouchement sexuel. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Is it molestation happen. or? Molestation. Yeah, probably. I Likely. Like, inappropriate touching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I think I, I had written down the, yeah, so the one or the definition of sexual assault, um, it does not, it like it's, it's a non-consensual sex act and behaviors. For example, sexual harassment is a form of sexual assault. Um, sexual advances is also a form of sexual assault. And, you know, sexual assault does not involve penetration necessarily. Mm-hmm. A sexual, now, a sexual assault that involves penetration is a rape. So that's what it is basically. But a lot of people don't know the difference. And and yeah, we in language, when speaking about all those topics, we, we do 
all that's in our power to reduce the, yeah, the weight of it. And I remember the first time I encountered the word date rape. I literally, I think I messaged you that day because I was like, what is that? I, I had never heard. And it was like, it was a couple months ago, maybe, maybe three, four, not too mm. long ago, literally. And I was shocked because I was like, what, what is a date rape? I don't get it. And, and then I did some Googling and I chatted with you and you were like, well, you know, it's a date, it's, it's a rape that happens or that's what you call a rape that's being perpetrated by, by someone you know, by someone you're dating. And I'm like, whether you're dating the person or not, like a rape is a rape. Come on. Like, what do you mean? This is, this is nonsense. Then when I, you know, I kept Googling, I saw that there's also such a thing as marital rape. And I'm like, same, same issue to me. Why, why is it necessary to specify the context in which it happened? It's, to me, it is really irrelevant because I feel like, and this is, this is my very, very personal opinion. If I, I'm not saying it's true. This is just how I think. I'm like, if you know it has to be like in a court, you tell people, um, this person has been raped by this person. I feel like almost knowing that, you know, let's assume a wife or yeah, a wife has been raped by her husband. To the people listening, it's going to sound like because it's her husband, yeah, come on. Like, it's almost attenuate, like, circonstance atténuante. Yeah. How do you say that? Yeah, I think attenuating. Although you're speaking to the wrong person here. I don't know if some of these words are just <laughs> French or English and French, but yeah, it's like um, attenuating circumstances, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's making it sound less bad. And I'm like, Sorry, but the fuck no. Again, a rape is a rape. If it's being done by your uncle, your cousin, your brother, your dad, your a rape is still a rape. Why do we need to say date rape or marital rape? I feel like the only purpose of doing that is to diminish, to make it sound less bad. Because, you know, if you're being raped by your husband, then, ah, come on, you've had sex before with him, probably. So if you're being raped by him, like, Come on. And if it's a date rape, like you consented to something. So maybe it was just a misunderstanding and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, sorry, but no, just no. I wish people could see my face right now. <laughs> your face is it all. I mean, your words too, but your face is like, no. <laughs> no, because just, just no. And the fact is actually, because you know, the it's, date rape, marital rape, it's like because there is a certain level of acquaintance or familiarity with the people, with the perpetrator, it makes the act less bad. Let me tell you this, um, specifically when it comes to children, sexual abuse and like rape being one of them, it's, it's, it's barely, like it's almost never a stranger. It is in more than 90% of the cases, it is someone in the family, a parent, an uncle, the neighbor close by, the mom's best friend or dad's best friend. It is not a stranger. So, um, you know, is it, is it because a child is being raped by their uncle, does it make it any better than if they're being raped by Sam uh, from Wisconsin? Like, I don't know. No. 
Like, so I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I tried to make it super random. So Sam from Wisconsin. Sorry, all the Sams in Wisconsin. We apologize. <laughs> Thank you for the disclaimer, Joe. No, it's just no. So yeah, to me, that's another way we use language to diminish it. Because yeah, I, I'm, it makes me so mad. Like the term date rape. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I hard pass. I feel like, and this is, I, I want to be really careful saying this because I don't want it to be like, you know, sound accusatory or whatever. But I think part of the way that we use language is to excuse the perpetrators, not just the acts, but I think that we use it because. For years, decades, centuries, we've been making excuses for people who commit really horrible acts like rape because women were not deemed as equals, right? Women were not like full human beings who deserved uh, agency and autonomy and independence um, over their bodies and their sexual experiences. It was used as, you know, once you are married, you're the property of your husband. And if you're just an object that he owns, he can do whatever he wants with you. He can have sex with you, whether you want to have sex or not. And in today's world, we don't jump into marriage right away, right? We date. That's part of the process of getting to marriage. And it's this covenant that got extended into, well, you're on a date, so this man. And again, I'm using that because I'm a woman and that's what I know. Not to say that men haven't been sexually assaulted. Obviously, you shared a statistic about young boys being sexually assaulted before even turning 18. But I think it's because the language is what it is and it's been inherited from those circumstances. It's always been, how do we make the person who did the bad thing sound like they didn't do such a bad thing? Like, he's not, you know, a bad guy. Like, exactly. He, there was a misunderstanding. They went on a date, so he wasn't clear about the consent. You know, she consented to this part of the sexual act, and he did this other thing because she had consented earlier. Or a few days ago, this man's wife consented to have sex, and so he just assumed the consent was still, you know, because they're married. And I think that's part of not holding those people accountable for their actions. It's all... The, the language is giving them an excuse for their behavior so that people aren't forced to view those perpetrators as like bad people who did a bad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like they, they made a mistake. Yeah. A small mistake. A it, small it mistake. It happens. everyone. Yeah. You've been married, you know, 20 years. Like it's bound to... But you're right, because we know that most sexual assault is actually done by people who know the victim, then it stands to reason that all of these date rape, marital rape, whatever, they should all be considered the same because it is someone who was in a trusted position taking advantage of that trust in so many different ways. You know, the husband, the boyfriend, the uncle, the family friend, the older brother, the father, whatever, taking advantage of a relationship that was based on trust and then using that trust to kind of get to a place where the victim was vulnerable enough to be subjected to this sexual assault. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
minimizing the role of the perpetrator. That's, there's definitely some of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, yeah. work on my emotions right now. <laughs> and again, mistakes happen. People make genuine mistakes and not everything was premeditated. Not everything was malicious. I'm not denying any of that. But I think once we start using the real words for things, then we're strictly dealing with facts. We're not yeah. dealing with how we think something must have felt or what it was perceived as or what was understated but not explicitly stated. Like we're not we're not dealing in the intangible gray areas. When you use the real words for things, then you're dealing with just the facts. This is what happened. We're not saying you should feel sad or, or angry or or happy or anything really just these are the facts what are our laws are, is this like is this allowed if this is not allowed then this person goes to jail like period period you know what i mean it's not an emotional argument it's a straight up like these are the facts this person did the wrong thing they pay the consequences like they have to yeah. suffer the consequences that's all it is i mean law is already it's it's, it's always kind of a complicated matter it, it makes me think of so i have two points Remind me of that because I feel like I'm going to forget it. I was already forgetting it. So the first one, going back to um, kind of minimizing the, the role of the perpetrator, um, you know, by using the words we use. There is also this, ah, it's almost like when a rape happens. I'm speaking of rape because I feel like in, in that case, it's even more like pronounced. Um, when a rape happens... A lot of people look at the woman, specifically when it's a woman that's been raped. I don't know how it is in the case of men, because that's also something I want to talk about, actually. I, men are being raped, too, like they are. And I, I think we need to hear more of those stories as well. Okay, that being said, back to in the case a woman is being raped, People look at that woman to find reasons why, you know, there might have been reasons that caused misunderstandings. Like, come on, she was wearing like such a short skirt. She was begging for it. She was asking for it. I've listened to people say those things and I was sitting there and was like, hmm, like, no, you, like, that's, I just no, it's it doesn't it it doesn't excuse anything. You still you still gotta ask for permission to do something with someone else's body. So there's that. Um, I, I don't I don't even gonna wanna go too much on that tangent because I feel like it could get heated. <laughs> I feel like being heated right now. Cause not cause just. I, I've had those discussions before and some people are really, and I, I hear it. It's like, it, it's not about looking for the fault on the woman's side. It's, it's more like, well, you know how the world is. You know how men behave. They see a short skirt. They're going to want to do things to you. So it's up to you to protect yourself, you know? So if you know that, then just don't wear a short skirt. And and I'm like, this is putting the responsibility on women and women only. So while you're telling me to watch how I'm dressing, 
to avoid a potential rape, why do you not tell boys to, to learn how to control their whatever it is that they're dealing with, okay? So, the other point. <laughs> uh, what was it? And I forgot it. It was about okay. laws, I think. Laws, laws, laws. No, I... No? Oh, and I wrote it down. I was like, I'm going to remind you. Um, okay, maybe it'll come back. <laughs> yeah, maybe it will come back. But um, I know we're trying not to be heated, but I just cannot. <laughs> no, okay. I cannot let that pass because um, there have been things and, and, you know, articles published and studies showing that in all societies, women get raped, even in societies where women are fully covered from head to toe. Hmm. So in cultures where women are wearing like the hijab or burqa, niqab, everything, like it doesn't matter, where temptation has supposedly been removed, you cannot see any part of this woman except her eyes, okay? Or if you can see anything, it's her hands and her fingers. And those women still get raped. So I think, again, in that whole victim-blaming we're removing accountability and work from the perpetrator because it does take more yes. work to get consent. It does take more work to interpret a situation and read it properly. It does take more effort to try to understand what a person is feeling and to also accept rejection if something that you thought was a given is now taken away. It takes a lot of self-awareness, self-confidence, um, assurance. It takes a lot of just being a stable, grounded human and being willing to work in order to go about this way of doing things, which is like to seek consent respectfully, to accept when consent is sometimes taken away after being given. Like there's so many different situations that could lead to those so-called misunderstandings that just mm -hmm. take more time and more work to kind of figure out, to work through. You know what I mean? You're on a date. You think you read a sign. As a man, you think it's your role to pursue the person you're dating. And you think that sign is telling you, okay, go for it. You know, make out with her. You start and then she's like, no, no, no. That's a misunderstanding. You can apologize for it and you can stop. There's so many things. Or if you're unsure, you can ask, like, is it okay if we, you know, do A, B, C, D. But it takes, it's more than just what we've been taught to do in the past, which is, don't ask any questions. Don't figure anything out. Just go for it. And then, you know, it's probably going to be fine. Like, just you, yeah. you're completely right. You read the situation 100% correct. Just do what the thing is that you want to do. And it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, that's, that's limiting and, and old. It's so old-fashioned. And it's just, it needs to change. Mm -hmm. And that literally reminded me of my point, which was related to consent and... Like, I remember having a discussion with a, a guy friend um, who said, I am, I have become so hyper aware of, yeah, how consent is, is actually not being taken into account in so many things. Like, when it comes to dating and romantic relationships in, in any, at any level of romantic relationships, whether, you know, I don't know, sex and finances and what else is there, Consent is just not a thing. And when you go from the way the world is right now, and you were, you know, when you said, did you say old ideas? Old-fashioned. Um, this, this is what it is. And he said, 
I am aware that the way we're doing it right now is not the right way, or we could add more consent into it. But then he also said that becoming aware of that has made him afraid of doing anything. Because it's like, it's literally, he was saying how he questions almost every single move. Like, if I do this, is do I have to ask for permission? Because we have been also thought, taught to to read into things. You know, you never say, you never tell a boy or a girl that you like, I like you. You don't. You send a message or you fake typing a message so you see the, the three dots like tapping, then you delete it and you leave your phone in a corner for like two, three hours. Then you go back to it. That's, you know, that's, that's what we do. Instead of what is that? using like two seconds to say, hey, I like you. Is that a flirting technique? Because I've never heard of this before in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if people still use it, but, you know, I I hear conversations, you know. And when even when you watch, like, different shows or movies, it's like, it's a thing. Like, the mind games people play. Now, I don't know if the three dots is, I I happen to have seen it in, in a show I watched recently. You know, teenagers flirting with each other. It's like... You know, they're like on the phone. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He or she is writing. Oh, oh, I see the three dots. And then, you know, the three dots vanish. No message arrives. And you're like, oh shit. What do I do now? Like total confusion. I don't know if they like me. I don't know if they do. If it, I, I don't know. Just confusion. But like the mind games, you know, like people giving advice to their friend that's trying to share their feelings to someone uh, yeah, no, don't text him now or don't text her now. Let her wait a little bit. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to seem thirsty or hungry or uh, clingy or needy. All those bad things. Meantime, all you're saying is, hey, girl, hey, boy, I like you. That takes, if you're very slow, three seconds. <laughs> you know? So we've, that's how we do things. And that's not just even in the romantic, like, world. Everywhere. We just say things through the flowers, what we say in, in, in German. Like, we, yeah, we, we don't go straight. Instead of saying, you know, I like you, we're going we're gonna to do a million other things. And we might not even say something, actually. We're going to do things. And assume that, you know, if you like me too, then you're going to read the right you're going to put the right interpretation into my actions. And I'm like, yeah, going from a world like that into a world where you just say what you want and you ask if it's okay to get it, that takes some effort. That, yeah, that, that makes you, that would make you question every, every single move. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I hear when people say, well, you know, too much consent kills, kills the romantic gestures and whatnot and I can hear that and at the same time I'm like this seems romantic to us because we have decided that's what romanticism is we can change it asking you know can I kiss you now is it okay if I kiss you now (laughs) that you know if that's how you grew up then that's gonna seem romantic to you I'm sorry you know there's (laughs) I tried I tried my best you tried it I I felt yeah the try but No, that's exactly what it is with the unspoken things. And that comes to even when children get sexually assaulted because part of it is that whole thing about us not talking 
yeah. that sometimes children get sexually assaulted and they feel that something is wrong, but they're not able to actually say it to anyone because there's a general sense that there's some things you don't say, right? There's some things we never approach directly. There's some things we never share directly. And if even as children, we get indoctrinated into that, we get like that gets ingrained, then yeah, as adults, we're not going to be approaching anything directly. We're not going to be saying, for example, like, no, I don't want this. Sometimes that's what it takes. And we're not going to say, we're just going to show that we don't like it. And hopefully the other person picks up on the fact that we don't like it and they stop doing the thing. There are so many of those things that are ingrained because, again, we're not speaking about things directly. I honestly think that's at the root of so many things from, like, childhood to adulthood and everything. Let's just say it. It's at the root cause of everything that's not working well in society and life but like you know what you mentioned about children a fun fact or no actually it's not a fun fact it's just from that workshop again um the lady was saying that children that suffer sexual assault abuse of any kind they usually disclose it three to four times and are being ignored and because so you know one part is yes we kind of start at a very, very early age to get a sense of the things we don't talk about. But then there's also the, the other aspect is that as grown-ups, we tend to not believe children because they're children. What they say is, is irrelevant. We, as soon as they say something, we are already putting judgment on it in terms of is this even possible? Like, no, that doesn't make sense. You're fabulating, you're whatnot. Um, so, you know, a child that's being sexually abused by Uncle Charlie might say something like, and just to be clear, like, this is not even my example. This is an example from the professional. Um, it's something I've been saying before, but I like that, you know, I can now say professionals are saying it too, you know, it's not just me. Um, (laughs) feels like it makes it more valid, but yeah, anyway, um, so the child will tell their mom, I don't like sitting on Uncle Charlie's lap. That child didn't say, Uncle Charlie's abusing me. That child is just mentioning that it doesn't like something. But the parent in that moment, the mom, you know, who, who is Uncle Charlie's sister, is not going to actually hear and respect, that's what it comes to, respect the words of her own child. And I'm not blaming the mom here. Like what I'm saying is I'm trying to state she's not going to respect the words of the child. She's going to say, well, you know, it's Uncle Charlie. Like everybody sits, all the kids sit on Uncle Charlie's lap. Just do it. Then the child is going to say something else and it's going to be the same. Or sometimes she even said children have told their moms or dads um, that person, let's say Sam from Wisconsin or I don't know, just person X kissed me. They say it. But again, because the adult in that moment is very much in their own world, and it's also who wants to, you know, be confronted with the fact that their child is being sexually abused. It's something we don't like to think of. So nothing in our brain is going to lead us that way because that's just a horrible thought. So even when we hear it, we do not hear it. So the child says that. And, you know, the mom said, well, you know, Uncle Charlie kisses everybody. The child might not have said, Uncle Charlie kissed me on the mouth and used his tongue and that, it felt weird. No, the child just said, Uncle Charlie kissed me and then I didn't like it, maybe. So 
there is this, yeah, there are things we don't talk about. And because we don't talk about, children pick up on it and they don't either. And then there is the, even when they talk, because they're children, we decide that what they have to say is actually irrelevant and, and it doesn't, we don't give to their words the, the weight that the words deserve, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so there's that. Three to four times, and they disclose three to four times before being heard. And that's for those who end up being heard. Because, you know, a child, after they've told you three to four times and you say, it's fine. Well, you know, you know the world. They know that you know the world kind of thing. So they're just not going to disclose anymore because in their head, you have said, you know, whatever's happening is fine. Mm -hmm. So they end up not not disclosing more or not trying it a different way. Because after three times and you keep telling them, it's okay. That's, that's how it is. That's how it should be. Then there's nothing for them to disclose. That is, all of that is so, it's heartbreaking. It's so sad because those are the ones who actually end up saying something. When we put together all the ones who can't or won't say anything with those ones who do say something and get shut down with the ones who do say something and eventually get listened to and the ones who do say something and get listened to and then action is actually taking against the perpetrator they're just the pool of children that that starts with is so huge the word is under reporting yeah yeah all the stats we're dealing with it's it's they've been under reported so whatever these numbers are multiply them by x <laughs> yeah i'm laughing but it's that and you know, it, I feel like it kind of goes back to one of the things we, we advocate for, which is, you know, respecting children's voices. And yeah, because to me, and I think we've had that conversation. You know, a child that says, I don't know, like grandma or Uncle Sam, is was here the whole afternoon and Uncle Sam is about to go. And, you know, because it's a family thing, well, go kiss Uncle Sam or Uncle Sam is asking your child to kiss them goodbye because you know that's what you do let's say you're French and it's kiss on the on the cheeks but your child says I don't want to a lot of parents because you know that's that's how we say goodbye in France you kiss people and you're telling me you don't want to come on go ahead and do it like not in those words and like parents do not necessarily like they don't think at that moment it's a, it, that it's a bad thing to do. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying the message that the child receives, if we really put ourselves in, in the child's perspective, not in our perspective, we already know this is a societal norm. This is how we, we yeah, this is the, the departure ritual. The child doesn't know that as we know. In that moment, the child is just manifesting that it doesn't want that type of physical contact in that moment. And we are telling the child, your need for, you know, boundaries right now does not matter. You go and we, like, we overwrite that wish, that ask of them. So then, you know, if you grow up like that, and that's, I know it's small and it, it, it doesn't have, a, like, you know, first sight, it doesn't have anything to do with sexual assault. But how do you want a child like that later to understand fully, and I mean fully, and it's full depth consent, 
if it's been not consented to the whole the whole time or very often. So, yeah, we got to listen to our kids more and respect them. I know it's hard because we we've always lived in this world where, you know, a child is a child, it doesn't know anything. Well, it, yeah, it is learning, but at the same time, it's their body and they get to do with it what they want as long as they're not putting it, you know, in danger. Yeah, and putting others in danger as well. But yeah. Yeah. This consent thing, our relationship with consent and body autonomy and all of that is messed up from such a young age mm-hmm. that that's probably why we get in these situations, right? Like people aren't even aware if it's okay if they're touched a certain way sometimes and if it's okay for them to feel uncomfortable about being touched that way. Even as adults, as adults, which is yeah. so like, it's part of this whole conversation that people have about sexual assault, which is like, you know, just say no. Like, if you're not happy with something, just, you know, like, scream or push the person off. Or there, there's so many explanations and so many logical ways that we should react in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But that's not how we're raised. That's not what we're taught. That's not what we know to be the truth about our personal boundaries. And, like, everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, even at work, workplaces, you'll see sometimes colleagues going somewhere and the man will, like, you know, be, like put his hand on his female colleague's like back or arm or like, oh, we're going to the lunchroom or are you joining us for lunch? Or like small things like that that are just so ingrained in how we act. Where like, so for example, I grew up in a culture where you don't really hug people. When you're greeting Mm -hmm. them, you do the kisses, right? The French kisses. Or sometimes you do three instead of two. Um, And when I moved to North America, I realized people don't do the kissing. They do hugs. But... I didn't want to be hugging people. Like, for me, that's more intimate of an embrace. Mm-hmm. Where you're, like, in someone's space and you're, like, fully body to body. And I found it so strange that people would just assume that I would prefer that and not the kiss on the cheek. Because if you talk to Americans, because I was in the U.S., if you talk to Americans about, like, the kisses on the cheek, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're kissing people? And I'm like, that's less intimate to me <laughs> than what y'all were trying to do to me in, you know, freaking university when I was still a teenager and y'all were just coming into my space. And I was like, I guess that's what we're doing now. But because we're never taught to refuse things like that, I would get hugged all the time. And I was not okay with it, but... I was like, oh, I know it doesn't mean anything to them. They're just being polite. They're just saying hi or bye, which was a lot. Because then I'm like, I just hugged you when you came in and now you're leaving and I have to hug you again. Like, this is too much. <laughs> but now it's it's now a norm, you know, that I've, I've gotten mm-hmm. accustomed to. We don't, we don't ever learn to respect our bodies. And so sometimes we get in situations that are unusual and we still don't know what to do with that discomfort and how to react in a way that is still socially acceptable. Yeah, it's all, it all comes down to the socially acceptable because we've been taught that that's what matters the most. Your, you know, what, how you feel is irrelevant as long as what is socially acceptable is, is what happens. If it's socially acceptable, it doesn't matter that you feel uncomfortable with it because your discomfort, yeah, just loses. It, it, it loses. Social acceptable practices are more important than, than your well-being, basically. Yeah. That's, Maybe that's the end of it. <laughs> that's a terrible note to end on, but I really, I really <laughs> don't know what else to add to that. Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, and, and I feel like this, this ties into like naming things as, as what they are. And it's not just, you know, okay, a rape is a rape, so let's call it a rape and let's not like chit chat around, oh yeah, sexual assault and nah, nah, nah. no, it's a rape, it's a rape. It's a, a social, a sexual harassment, then it's sexual harassment. And, and also, um, it doesn't, like there is no saying, uh, this is better or this is less harmful. You do not get to decide how harmful or not it is. It's, you know, like, I don't know, sexual advances could have a, a, a much worse impact on person X than a rape on person Y. It's not up to us to decide that. So, yeah, it's, it, it, there is no, yeah, like, come on, it was, it was just sexual advances. No, it's still messed up with the person who was suffering them. And that person is the only one who gets to decide how bad or not bad it was, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you know, to go back to that sentence I said, like, <sighs> social acceptance is more important than, than your feelings, um, is also, you know, part of naming things by what they are. Because a child that says, no, I don't want to kiss Uncle Sam right now, doesn't mean that child is disrespectful, doesn't like his or her uncle. It just means... I do not want to put my cheek to your cheek right now. That's all. And that is also part of naming things as as exactly what they are. Mm. Not putting more into it. The you know, because if we go back to rape again, the reason why people don't want to say rape is because it comes with a whole like there's a whole meaning that is attached to it. But beside that meaning, it is a rape because someone put like there has been unconsensual penetration of some kind. That's what it is. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. That's why we call it a rape. It's not about, oh my gosh, it's a terrible thing. It's not about that. It is called rape because there has been unconsensual penetration, period. Mm-hmm. The child says, I don't want to kiss Uncle Sam because the child doesn't want to kiss Uncle Sam. And if we, if we get into that habit of naming things and seeing them as just what they are, yeah. It takes the heaviness away from things, and then we can actually deal with the facts rather than how it makes people feel and how, what people might think about it, and all that crap that that makes things heavy for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, if someone wanted to have a conversation with someone else and bring up sexual assault and rape, how should they go about it? I don't know. I know, I'm asking you, like, this is not because you're an expert. I'm just, like, throwing it out as one, because that's the thing. We're trying to get people to talk about things. And for this particular issue, it's it's at the core of everything. Just, yeah. How do they do it? How should they do it? I think that's the point. There is no how, like, should or there is no one recipe. There is no. It's going to be uncomfortable. However you've planned it in your head, Um, however you thought it's going to go, it is not going to go like that. So basically don't make plans and just do it. And like I myself know that I am still way too much in my head about it. It's like, I have plenty of opportunities where I could speak about it, but because in that moment I'm like, "Mm," I'm focused on what is it going to do to them? 
um, is it going to stop the conversation? I don't want them to feel like now they have to avoid me because they're afraid that I'm going to bring up heavy topics. Um, and honestly, just me being in that space, if I do speak in that moment, it is actually going to make it heavy because I am coming from that place of it is heavy. If I can deconstruct the heaviness of it in my head, then when I bring it up, it is going to be weightless, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I would go about it. And I'm, I'm still working on it. So I, I, I like that. Yeah, no key. I, I really like that because I'm always going back and forth on it. And I'm always like choosing, is this a safe enough place to discuss this? Or, you know, is this going to, like what you were saying, change the mood or whatever. I also interchangeably use the terms like rape and sexual assault because sometimes I don't want to use the word rape because I feel like uh, it's really going to like bother people. So, yeah. yeah, the fact that it's just okay that it's going to be uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable anyway. Even a lot. <laughs> yeah, or a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot uncomfortable. <laughs> I was trying to make it palatable. You're like, nah, a lot. <laughs> cool, a lot uncomfortable. <laughs> and that that's okay. That's, um, yeah, that's a weight off. Yeah. So let's all go out there and be uncomfortable. Yes. I feel like that was also another takeaway from another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Sending people out there, be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what the podcast is about. So if we end almost every, every episode like that, it would still be on point. Yep. 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 We just have to have like a pre-recording at the end of every, just like, <laughs> be uncomfortable. <laughs> but hey, discomfort is, uh, is where growth happens. Without this comfort, there is nothing. Mm -hmm. And on that note, this was your episode of Not a Purse podcast. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I can't do it as well as you. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, you guys know where to find us. If you are into this content, if you have comments for us, please let us know. You can find us on social at N-O-T-A-P-U-R-S-E. That's Not a Purse and on all our regular streaming platforms. Bye. Bye.